What you're about to hear is the fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. I've invited somebody on the program to share a story with you that I think is wildly inspirational. It starts, well, it starts with a guy who amassed a massive, massive audience. Uh, he was touring his audiences that became known as the Yee Yee Nation. He had 10 studio albums, one live album, two EPs. He's charted over eight singles uh, on the Billboard charts and uh, had the number one uh, song, Backroad Song. All of that is behind him as of tomorrow. Something happened to Granger Smith. And if you don't know the story, you're going to want to hear it. He's also uh, the author of a book called Like a River, which is the story he's going to share with us here in a second. It charted number one everywhere, except for the New York Times. Isn't that strange? And maybe that's because it's a story of God and miracles. It's a fascinating story. We begin in 60 seconds. A good driver anticipates many things. And, you know, a good driver is looking at all the possibilities of what can go wrong there. They're, they're attentive to all of that. They are prepared for them. Also, a, a true uh, sign of a good driver, good owner, is to be prepared in case something goes wrong with your car. And when you consider how expensive cars are becoming, you need to do the repairs on them. You need to keep them healthy. But man, some of those repairs can be just bloodletting when you get up to pay the bill. I want you to enroll with CarShield, or at least find out if this is right for you. You can get a protection plan as low as $100 a month. Flexible month-to-month coverage, your choice of an ASE-certified mechanic, 24-7 coast-to-coast roadside assistance, complimentary towing, rental car options, yada, 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 and no long-term contract. Maybe most important at all, with the whole inflationary problem, you will get a price lock guarantee. Your price will never go up. No matter how many claims you have filed on your car, it'll never go up. Even as the mileage goes up on your car, Car Shield. I've had it on my trucks for years. Car Shield. 800-227-6100. 800-227-6100. Carshield.com slash Beck. Granger, what an honor to have you on the program, sir. Thank you, Glenn. Thanks for having me. You bet. So if you can, let's let's start with, um, for anybody who's not a country fan, tell me what your life was like just a few years ago. Living my dream, a dream that I've had for a quarter of a century, uh, trying to play my music, play my songs, travel around, meet new people, uh, run songs up charts, put out music videos. And we were doing it at uh, a very high level and just felt like everything was right for me, everything I ever wanted. And then one night, June 4th, you are, you know, being with your family one last evening. You're spending it with your kids. You're headed to Nashville for the CMT Music Awards. Your daughter, London, is doing gymnastics. You're helping her. And what happens? Yeah, I remember my daughter was doing a handstand in the yard and 
and she was having me spot her and I was kind of holding her ankles and the boys were playing water gun fight two two boys. And I just remember thinking what a beautiful evening, green grass under my feet, June, early June is beautiful in the state of Texas. And I just thought soak in this moment because it won't last forever. I just, and I was thinking in terms of the kids are going to grow up, they're going to go to college. Right. And these, these days will be behind me, but it was, it was quiet in that moment. I thought, where's river he's our three-year-old boy and i i remember looking around and i just thought i don't know where he is and that's that's not good when you have a three-year-old but we have a gated we had a gated locked pool and i looked and i saw him in the pool face down and it just it didn't seem like it was reality it felt like this is a dream i'm in shock how could this be and I, i crashed into the pool and and grabbed his little body and I was expecting him to be coughing and uh, nervous and scared. And I was going to say, buddy, what are you, what are you doing? How did you get in the skate? You know, you're never supposed to get around here, but that's, that's not what happened. He was lifeless and cold. I, this is, uh, we've had a friend who this has happened to, um, and they're good people and they love their children and they're attentive. And it happened in a blink of an eye pools, scare the hell out of me Um, because when you have little kids, it happens and you're, you're right there and it, it happens that fast. Um, You had to have just beaten yourself up. Uh, I mean, I've, I've thought of this with my, with, you know, my friend's tragedy. I I thought if my wife were watching the kids, um, I would know that she was doing the best, but I don't know if I were watching the kids and it happened that my wife would not blame me for the rest of my life. You know what I mean? It's, it's so hard. The, the games this must play in your head. That's exactly right. I played those games over and over. Uh, but by the grace of God, my wife, not ever, not once, did she ever even let it slip to say, how dare you? What have you done to our baby? And she could have easily done it, and, and, I, and she probably would have been right because I was the responsible adult that day. And although it happened, like you said, in a blink of an eye, and I was just paces away, uh, she, she could have easily have blamed me. She didn't, and I don't know where I would be if she had, if she had planted that seed within me of guilt. It was already, it was already hard enough. With the own my own tricks, my mind was playing on me, and the gymnastics that I was doing in my head of "You're guilty. You failed in the one thing that a father is supposed to do, and that's keep them alive till they're 18." And so that's that's what was going on with me. So, you, where do you go from there? I mean, how long did this? I mean, I know it's still with you, but how long did this just oppress you? Well, it took me it, it, several months of trying everything I could. Uh, I, I was a big self-helper at the time. Um, that stuff still kind of resonates with me. So mm-hmm. I was leaning into waking up early and reading more nonfiction and trying to meditate and visualize and, and read my devotionals. And, and, and I was progressively getting worse and, instead of better. I thought, how mm-hmm. could this, this is supposed to help me? And nothing was helping me. I was, I was trying everything. I was exercising. I was trying to sleep right, trying to eat right, anything 
to stop the slideshow from happening in my head. And, and I say that in terms of the, the memories that were just kept repeating over and over of what I could have done. Like my mind was in a loop trying to find, trying to close the loop and it couldn't. And I was going insane. This was several months, probably six or seven months um, before just absolute rock bottom hit me. And that, what was that? That was a night, and I call it in the book, I called it the darkest night of the soul. And I was in Boise, Idaho. And th- there were times, and there are times in grief when you could start feeling better. Sometimes you feel guilty that you feel better, but you say, you know what, today I kind of feel normal. And that was a day for me in December in 2019, and we were in Boise, Idaho, playing a show, and, and I was with the boys, and the crowd was great, and, and I just thought, you know what, this is the first time I've felt normal in a while. And the band said, hey, we're going to go and have a few drinks at this little obscure bar. Let's just go reminisce some old times. So I, I went with them. I said, absolutely. That sounds like a great idea. Went and had some drinks. Mm. And as I was walking back out of the bar that night, I thought, huh. I'm a little tipsy. I don't think I've, I don't think I've been tipsy since the accident happened. And so then, then my mind started panicking and starting to prepare myself, trying to engage the things that I had learned in therapy that maybe could, could shut down the, the slideshow. But by the time I got to back to the bus, I just, I, I started going into a panic thinking, how am I going to suppress all of these terrible thoughts while I'm inebriated? It's not going to work. And so I just remember pulling, opening up the drawer and just I pulled out my pistol that's always there. And I thought, this is the way. This is the way to finally end the slideshow, to finally find rest. And this was a voice that was not my own encouraging me with this moment. But gosh, it's that. Through hang that on, time, hang on, hang on just a sec. I, I, <clears throat> we got to take a quick one minute break and then we'll come back to the story. But. It's amazing how easy it is for darkness to slip in. You know, I had an alcoholic friend tell me when I first admitted that I was an alcoholic, he said, when you least expect it, expect it. And what he meant by that is exactly your story. You're feeling good. You think you're fine. You let your guard down just a little bit and it floods back in. Uh, and it can kill you. And uh, so now we're at the lowest part of the story. Let's get to the good side in 60 seconds. I want to talk to you about um, selling and buying houses. It is really difficult. I'm not good at it. Uh, I don't, I, I trust too many people and, you know, hey, uh, what do you think? And, and I, I just, I I don't know how to interview people. I don't like giving people, believe it, believe it or not. I hate conflict and I hate giving people bad news or saying, you know, I'm not really happy with your service. I hate that. I hate it. Um, And so I've, I've, I've really not had good real estate agents and good experiences. Um, But that's because mainly I didn't know what, how to even find a good real estate agent. What do you do? You get it on the, you know, on the side of the bus. Hey, that looks like a good real estate agent there. How do you know? Well, by doing commercials and meeting uh, real estate agents over the last 20 years, I worked with the 500 best real estate agents in the country, according to the Wall Street Journal. And 
I got to know them and I asked them what makes a good real estate agent. And there, there are actual things that the good ones know. And we look for those business practices so we can then pass their names on to you. So if you're looking for a real estate agent, we've done a lot of the work. It just needs you just to look at them and talk to them uh, and find out if they're right for you. But we think these are real estate agents you can trust, which is why we call it realestateagentsitrust.com. Go there now, realestateagentsitrust.com. 10 seconds, station ID. So a lot of people would um, get to this point and then it ends in one of two ways. Usually um, they put their life back together or they don't. But putting your life hmm. back together, you put it together completely differently. So let's start now. You're looking at the gun. Okay. What happens? Yeah, I would say I might make a third category. I, I didn't put my life back together. My life came back together, but it wasn't my own doing. Right. Yeah, that, I, I, I was insinuating that, that there is a third way, and I've never heard it before, but yes. you're going to show us a yes. third way. Yeah. Yes. So I was uh, in that moment. I had a Glock 9 millimeter. I know that Glock very well. It has a, a, a double trigger on it, no safety. And so I know exactly where the pressure point is on that. Even in my inebriated state, I could feel as I applied pressure, okay, this is, this is it. This is the point of no return in this moment here. And it seemed like 30 minutes. It was probably five seconds of holding it there. And I thought about my two older kids, Lincoln and London. They came to my mind. And I just saw their faces and I saw my life and their life. And, and in that moment, I, I was crying and I just said, Jesus, save me. My God, Jesus, save me. And in that moment, the slideshow stopped. All the visions stopped. And I dropped the gun onto the bed and I fell down to my knees and I ended up sleeping on the floor and on my bus that night and all my show clothes. And I was a cultural Christian. I know that now. It was a heritage. It was something I grew up with. I, I knew the name of Jesus. I knew what he did on the cross. But I don't think I ever believed it. In fact, I know I didn't because I didn't trust in him first. I trusted in the self-help books and every other thing I tried. But it, it, this sent me on a new journey of, okay, if this name is powerful enough to stop the slideshow, to stop me in my darkest night in Boise, Idaho, then who is this? What is this faith? So I sent, I, I went out on a, a journey, searching, reading, listening to sermons of what happened to me that night, how I was saved that night supernaturally. And it ended up, I ended up hearing a, a sermon in my truck one day. This was March 1st, 2020, a couple months after that event. And the, the pastor was speaking out of John 14, and he said, the disciple asked Jesus, Lord, why is it you manifest yourself to us and not to the rest of the world? And Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. And, and then suddenly I, just, I thought, I knew it all right then. I knew I was saved. I was loved. I was redeemed and restored. I was healed. But in return, in the overflow of that mm -hmm. gratitude, 
I was doing nothing. And Jesus said right here, if you love me, keep my word. That's how I know you love me. And I thought, what's his word? I don't know it. I don't know any of it. <laughs> so, so that started where I am today, just absorbing his word, reading it, cherishing it. I went home. I got rid of all the devotionals and the self-help books. And I said, here we go. It's the Bible. This is, this is what saved me. And if I'm going to love him, I'm going to keep his word. I'm going to know it all. And that changed, absolutely changed the trajectory of my entire life. So it is, again, in the typical story, it would stop pretty much there. Okay, he got his life back, he found the Lord, <laughs> and he's now going out, and he's, he's bigger than ever before. Tomorrow is the last performance on stage by Granger Smith, known as a... Uh, known as a country music singer. Where are you? Where are you headed? Well, as, as this unfolded and I went back into country music, like you said, and I continued to live my life the way that it used to be as now a redeemed, healed man. And I started meeting people and they would say, I'm hurting. I, I, I lost my wife or my, my grandmother or my child or my job or my dream. I, I need your help. Can you help me? And I began to think more and more, I don't have time to sing country music. There's not any time for that. I need to be able to speak further. I need to be able to have more time with these people. And then I started feeling like, you know what, getting on the stage and just exalting myself and building up my name and having people glorify me, that's I'm not reconciling that with what Jesus says in the Bible about right. if anyone would follow me, let him take up his cross, deny himself. You know, I'm, I can't reconcile that. And so that that is eventually led to what is tomorrow. The last show is a country touring musician, and I'll be moving into um, more of a, a ministry role, writing more books, Lord willing, uh, serving in our local church and getting out and speaking. Because you went back to school. And, and and finishing up in seminary. That's correct. This is just such an awesome, awesome story. You can see now why uh, it wasn't, you know, new, it was it was on best-selling lists everywhere. The only one that it didn't happen is uh, the New York Times. And they're becoming much more blatant about all of this. You're about the fourth person uh, this year that I've talked to that whose book is number one everywhere. Except for the New York Times, it doesn't even make the list. Uh, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I just wish you all of the luck in the uh, world. I wish you all of the blessings. You have, you know, it's it's amazing. I, uh, I don't have your story, but, uh, you know, I, I have a story of my own. And I almost feel bad for those people that don't need the redemption, don't need that moment because when you get that moment it is such a miracle uh that it just it shakes you to the core and i guess over time you could forget it it's it's easier over time to forget it but uh i came to the same exact conclusion um he did this so all he's asking me is to just obey him okay yeah you know, that, I mean, that's a pretty good deal when you are that it's low. A great deal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A great deal considering that night in Boise. It's a yeah. great deal. And that's what I want to tell everybody else about.
Well, um, I just want to just read this um, before you hang up. This is um, from the uh, book. I think it's actually on the cover of or the, you know, the back page of the book. Like a river, life is full of twists and turns. Like a river, people pollute our world with their critique and criticism. Like a river, tragic events keep us damned up. But like a river, we can find the courage to keep moving downstream. Rivers don't run on their own strength. They flow from their source. When we try to keep going on our own, we won't make it. But when we connect to the greater source, we'll find the strength and the faith to keep living after loss. This triumphant story of new life birthed out of death is like a river. And it is available wherever you get your uh, books. And Billy Bob's, I think, tomorrow, right, in Fort Worth. That's right. That's right. Uh, all the all the best. And you might see a few of us in the crowd tomorrow, Granger. Thank you. <laughs> God bless. Thank you, brother. You bet. God bless. The Glenn Beck Program. What an amazing story. Uh, Central Bank Digital Currency, CBDC. Uh None of the other potential economic catastrophes looming on the horizon has convinced you that we're in trouble. CBDC will do it. This is the rise of the central bank digital currency, uh, and it changes absolutely everything and takes all control and ownership of everything from you. The world is on a, a knife's edge. So what gets us off of that? What is stability? What's, a, what's something that we can use even as a balance bar? May I suggest it's gold or silver. Uh, it may be the thing that saves you in the end and saves your money and saves what you've built for yourself. Please, I want you to find out if gold or silver is right for you. Uh, call Goldline at 866-GOLDLINE. They have a special going on. When you buy a tube, 50 coins of the one-tenth ounce American Eagle gold coins, they'll throw in 10 of the one-ounce American Eagle silver coins for free. It's happening this week right now. Goldline, 866-GOLDLINE. And blazetv.com slash Glenn. The promo code is Glenn to save 10 bucks off Blaze TV. We could take a, just a personal moment to reflect here for just a second. What we just, what we just heard and what we just experienced um, with Granger Smith. Um, we all get to a point in our life, some way or another, to where we have to decide who we are, and you know, do we pick ourselves up or do we wallow? For those who have already picked themselves up uh, or have been picked up, you know who you owe that to. And as Granger said and, and, and we discussed, when you have had that kind of miracle in your life and you realize that you're only being asked to obey and be more like him and to help others do that. You know, that's what you're supposed to do. And he said in the interview, I, I didn't have time for country music anymore. And I, I fear I'm a, a very bad example of 
the gratitude that I should be showing. Because we're, we're supposed to, we're commanded to knit our hearts together in unity and in love toward one another. And, and that's, that's hard to do, especially in this business. And I often wonder if, um, if there's a better way to do what I, what I do. But then somebody comes along like Granger and tells a story like that on the air and makes it so incredibly clear. One of the things that we are doing as a people is we lack gratitude. We lack that moment that he had in the backyard when all of his kids were playing in the backyard where he said, wow, what a perfect day. We all have that moment, but that's not life i mean th those come and go uh life mainly is getting up in the morning doing what you're supposed to do you know and doing the drudgery of life in many ways and then going to bed and then getting up and doing it again it's those those moments in between that make it so magical and if you are kicked down and you don't find your way up it's really impossible to do anything but what we're doing to each other now and do what we um, and just live in anger and, and rage. And you might think you have a good reason for it. I, I've told you and I've, I've, I've spoken briefly on this. But in the last two years, we've had a suicide in our family, and we had uh, a close brush with another one and uh, two other attempts, and not the same family member. And Tanya and I have had the worst couple of years, and it doesn't seem to be getting easier. Things just change and they morph and it is easy to get tired and kicked down and just like, I don't want anything to do with it. And I, I mean, what are we doing? When we were in a session uh, with one of the counselors for one of my kids that were, had just attempted, uh, he talked to us before he talked to my child and uh, he said, what is the, what's the worst thing that could happen? And Tony and I look at him like, are you out of your mind? What do you mean? What's the worst thing? What? They kill themselves. That's the worst thing that could happen. Right. So that is the worst that your child takes their own life. And we're looking at, I'm almost getting hostile with him. And I'm like, uh, yeah, that's the worst. He said, um, they know that. You have to be okay with that. Otherwise, you won't be able to help. And 
<laughs> Excuse me? What do you mean I have to be okay with that? <laughs> what? You have to let them know that it is true in your head. It's true that life will go on and you will be okay. If they don't, if they think that you fear it, mm. they control. <clears throat> so he, um, I said, well, I, I don't, I don't, I don't really know how to get, uh, uh, you know, in, in, you know, in love with this uh, possibility. And um, he said, well, let me take you here. Let's go through it. You're now sitting and I'm the coroner. And I'm telling you that your son or daughter has just killed themselves. What happens? And we were just beyond words. We couldn't see how this was going to be good. But it is in the end. It's very good. Um, we've started talking about it. And I said we'd probably, you know, you know, grieve for a very long time. I don't know how we would get past that and all of the self-doubt and everything else. I don't know how I would live with one of my children taking their lives. I, I mean, I live for my children, and my wife lives for our children, and uh, it, I just I, I can't imagine going on. And he said, right, so would you go on? What would you actually do? And I said, probably knowing us in the end, we'd probably, Tanya and I would probably write a book about suicide i would probably dedicate my life to anti-suicide stuff i would probably go out and speak and my wife would do the same and we would try to stop this from happening to others and he said so in a way you can find the good that could come from this jeez and i said well yeah. And he said, I'm not asking you to be happy about it. I just want you to know that you just vocalized that you will eventually be okay-ish. The wound will never heal, but you will find a positive thing to do with it. You just vocalized that. So now let them know. <clears throat> I will tell you. It made a huge difference in this individual's life, our family member, and ours, hmm. um, because we had confronted it. Our society right now is teaching us that if you're down, it's someone else's fault, and there's no way out unless you use your grievance as a weapon. That just leads to more despair. What is happening, you know, I, I, about eight years ago, I, I said, I use the word evil too much because evil is an actual thing. And, uh, you know, not everybody is evil and not everybody who disagrees or, you know, wants to have, you know, whatever, vote for Joe Biden. They're not evil. They're mistaken. They're not evil. But evil does exist. And I swear that word off and I'm like, I'm not going to talk about evil and things as evil, etc. But what I have witnessed over the last four years gives me a testimony as much about God as it does evil. There is a force that is 
alive in the whole world. It's not just here. And it is it's driving people insane. They are losing their grip on reality and they are becoming more and more dangerous and angry. And that makes the other side more dangerous and more angry. If you've had something bad in your life, find the way to make it into a positive. Find, stop complaining just for a second. I'm not saying that your issue isn't real. I'm saying just take a moment and say, if it's in the past, where am I now that I wouldn't have been had that not happened? Is there any positive there? How can I take this thing and give it and get rid of it having the power, but giving the result the power? So it propels me and others, and I become more of a beacon in the world. Fear. Unreasonable self-doubt. Not recognizing your spiritual nature. We are not uh, humans having a spiritual encounter. We are spirits having a human encounter. When you switch those two around, you know who you truly are. And you know the difference between temporary and permanent. I just want to leave you on this Friday, just with this thought, with everything that is happening in the world. And this for me has been a a really tough week, a really, really, really tough week. And, uh, I just want to leave you with, but it's all good. Everything that will happen to us will all be for our good and our children's good. If we don't go dark inside because of it, imagine the good that would happen if Donald Trump or his supporters that are, you know, right there at the the jailhouse, if they all would have knelt down in prayer and had a vigil last night, imagine the message that that would send you go from somebody who is trying to overthrow the government to a group of people who are peacefully praying for the people who are so misguided that are trying to put him in jail. Imagine if Donald Trump went to jail, but then uttered the words of Martin Luther King or Gandhi and sent the message to his supporters. We are people of peace. And they cannot put these ideas in a cage. They can't. These are the opportunities we need to look for. The opportunity to change the world will come disguised as something horrible in your or our lives. Be on the lookout for that horrible thing. Because it will be the thing that saves us in the end. 
Man's best friend comes with his own set of health needs. It isn't enough just to throw some dry kibble into a bowl. Your dog needs the nutrients and the kind of stuff that gets cooked out of the kibble. Um, I started giving Uno rough greens a couple of years ago. You know, our dogs were much more healthy when they were just being fed the scraps on the table. Because that's that's the way people used to feed their dogs. You know, I mean, back in Depression days and everything, you just scoop whatever you had left over and that's what they would have. The dog food that is kibble food is made to last on a shelf for over two years. Do you want to eat that every day? Do you think that's healthy? I don't think so. In fact, I know it's not. You want the greens, right? You need the things that are healthy. That's what Rough Greens does to kibble food. You sprinkle it on top and it gives them all of the things that are needed, including the things that are alive, like probiotics. I want you to call 833-GLEN-33, 833-GLEN-33, and they're going to give you the first trial bag of Rough Greens for free. You just pay for shipping. Call 833-GLENN-33, 833-GLEN-33, or roughgreens.com slash Beck. Glenn Beck. Stu and I, uh, if you don't mind me sharing a little bit of what we were just talking about here, Stu. Sure. Stu and I just had a uh, a really remarkable conversation um, on, you know, if things happen, you know, that are so bad, how do you just get the strength to just carry on? And, and uh, and you know, it's just, you know, you, you get beat up all the time, too. So you know it, and you're like, where do I find the strength? I will tell you. Stu just said this, and I have said this to so many people over this last summer. We just love you. You are heroes to us. When you see what you have done in Afghanistan, uh, just in Maui, I think we're up to 1.6 million. I mean, that's just a few hundred thousand dollars away from what the U.S. government is doing. Um, When you see what has happened with hurricanes and disasters and and even I see it in the chat rooms, you know, from Blaze subscribers, and they they support one another. They care about one another. Um, it's really remarkable. It's really remarkable. I, th- I know you as an audience has made me a better man. You want you. I want to be better because of you. And I'd be greatly diminished with without your friendship. And I know that's weird because we don't know each other, but I always feel like when we meet, we do. Yeah. I've been coming back a lot to just everything that, you know, this group of people has accomplished, you know, uh, over the past couple decades. And a lot of times it pushes me through these like times where, you know, the world does get a little depressing from time to time. I don't know if people have noticed that. And like it, it, it's hard to believe that you can get through it and then you think of all the things that just this one audience of this one show has accomplished and it does make it feel like it's worth it it's worth coming in and doing this every it's day a it's microcosm. Worth getting up every day it's a microcosm of the best of america that we want not to say that you know our audience doesn't also have its problems i'm sure it does we're all people but there is something about this group of people that of what they've done and i just want you to know Thank you for the hope you give us every day. The Glenn Beck Program.